0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Say so You Want To Be A Vet, the podcast series where we bring you honest and open discussions about life as a veterinary student and share the inspiring and motivating experiences of vets from all across the industry, from their vet school journey, and beyond before we get started make sure to subscribe to our podcast you can follow us on social media at say so you want to be a vet where we will be sharing behind the scenes clips doing live q a's and so much more don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel with the same name where we upload regular videos such as cv and personal statement writing tutorials interview skills and so much more that will help you build a strong application to that school Hello everyone and welcome back to our Careers Fair series on So You Want To Be A Vet. Today we're joined by the wonderful Dr Sophie. Ooh, hi, how, how are you? Are you guys? Yeah, good, thank you. Looking forward to Christmas now. Um, but yeah, so this is our first sort of chat with a farm fair in our Careers Fair. So we're really, really excited to hear a little bit about what you do um, and how that's different to small animal vetting and equine vetting for those that don't know so um do you want to give us a bit of an insight into how you came to being a vet what was like that defining moment for you and um what where did that lead on to which university did you go to and when did you qualify
1: so um i never had a defining moment i don't know if that's kind of common or not common it's probably a bit mixed either way um i came home from nursery maybe and said to my parents i'm gonna be a vet and they were like oh that's really cute because i hadn't said i wanted to be like a princess or a fireman or whatever they were like, oh that's lovely um and i just stuck with it and it's a bit yeah I, I wasn't where it came from i looked at a lot of other careers i did all the career quizzes when i was in school um looked at doing like zoology microbiology i to be honest as i went through i just wanted to be a farmer um, I really enjoyed farming and everything about farming, but it wasn't, if I, if I wanted to do that, I wanted to run the farm, own a farm, have it as mine. And that wasn't an option I had at the time. So I got the grades and I decided to be a vet. And that's probably where the farm vet side came from, um, because that's what I enjoyed. I found that's what I retained the information and knowledge I retained and it what interested me. I very much looked at doing mixed. I was offered a mixed job. I was actually offered a small animal job. God knows why. Um, And so I did look at doing that. I didn't really have much of an interest with equine. I was quite happy to see, you know, the the pet ponies and the backyard ponies and stuff, but I was never going to be a top race yard or show jumping or eventing sort of equine vet. Um, So, yeah, I sort of went down that route and then I thought I'd do a bit of mixed and... I would probably give up the small animal side after a couple of years and go straight all into farm. And then I was offered the job I'm in currently, um, which is 100% farm, pretty much. I do see horses, I do see small animals, but not massive amount. And I was like, that is the perfect job for a new grad. It's a perfect setup, perfect place to be. So I took that and I decided to not bother being a mixed and to go 100% farm because that's what I'd end up. So let's just crack on and become a good farm vet faster was my idea. <laughs> but yeah, no idea where it came from at all.
2: That sounds amazing. It's great that, you know, you sort of always knew that, you know, from such a young age that that was something that you wanted to go into and so sort of all the way through you sort of stuck with farm um, and that 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 was always sort of your passion um so moving back to sort of your time throughout vet school are there any sort of standout memories for you of things that you really enjoyed um, what was your sort of time throughout uni like I went to Nottingham best uni in my book <laughs> um, Um, I
1: like the, I don't know how the courses are now, I know they were making a lot of changes when I was there, but I very much enjoyed the fact it was practical and it was a day one skill university. So you graduated as a competent first opinion day one vet, which is fundamentally what you need to be. Um, There wasn't, you know, you you did your teaching, you were aware of what was going on around you, but it was very focused on putting you in a place to be a competent day one vet with practical skills. And I actually generally definitely picked the best university for me. I think a lot of people, um, you know, you have to just go where you get in a lot of time with vet school. I was very fortunate second time around, but I failed all four. Um, I didn't get any interviews, didn't get any offers at all first time round. So, yeah, I was very lucky second time round to actually Nottingham was my first choice. And I got in, so I was very happy with that. But, yeah, I very much enjoyed the fact that it was practical teaching and it was setting you up to be a good day one vet. They also have a very good farm department, which um, I quite enjoyed. <laughs> good farm lecturers. Um, my favorite part about uni <laughs> probably <laughs> isn't something I should really say, or maybe like an educational podcast, but would be much more about the people that were around you and the fun you had. um I can't say I was the best student. Uh, definitely not the best vet student probably not a very good student off of a vet course either but i can't really sit there and lie to you and say i loved all these modules and i attended everything because i wasn't a very good student um i wish i would be a better student but i made very very good friends and we had a brilliant laugh and it's the last time you really get you know when you're a vet you're a vet and you've got to knuckle down and be reliable and be there so i had a very good laugh before that part
0: Oh, I love that that's the main thing really and like being on SB yeah. myself like I really understand what you mean because everyone is so tight and like you know everybody throughout the years don't you and it's yeah. it's such a yeah. nice feel and like you've got things like barn parties as well and so yeah, yeah I know I know what you mean it is good fun and I feel like yeah SB is a very unique experience but it's nice to hear you say that because I suppose we have a lot of people come on the podcast and sort of say oh yeah um, I really loved being able to do like uh, particularly at Nottingham sort of like ultrasounds in the first week and things like that and whilst all that stuff is amazing I think one thing that um is really important like you said is making sure you're surrounded by people that you feel comfortable with and you have a laugh and you have a good time as well because while you're at vet school being at vet school is great but it can't be your whole life because there's so much more out there and I think that's um that's a really good thing to acknowledge now because, like you say, when you get to being a vet, it's time to knuckle down, it's time to be serious. And so I think at vet school, fun is allowed and I think a lot of the time it can seem like it's not that way because um from a lot of our applicants they'll be hearing oh it's nine to five and it's very serious but that is a key thing to remember sort of make sure that at vet school that's the time for you to practice having that work-life balance so that you're a pro at balancing it when you get to being a farm vet or whatever vet you want to be but in your case a farm vet so um What sort of things do you do now? Like, I know mental health is very big in the profession. And while we're just sort of talking about work-life balance, what sort of things do you do to make sure you sort of switch off from the job and the role as enjoyable as it is? Like, do you have any hobbies or things like that?
1: A bit of time for uni, not as much. I was big on the gym. I used to play a lot of hockey beforehand. I sibled and dabbled with it in final year when I came back here. But I find like the big switch off is literally with FEMA mates, and because I've come home, I've got a little, my core group of um friends from school, and like I made some quite tight relationships while I was in school. There are a few of them still around here. Um, and then before COVID, and you know, since COVID, when we've been out of lockdowns and stuff, traveling and seeing my uni mates, I've been really lucky in my life to actually have a really solid group of people around me. And I find that's my major switch off time. And some of them are vets, some of them aren't. So, you know, you go away and it's not just vet chat. It's just it's just seeing your mates, having a drink, having a laugh, going for a walk, whatever. Um, and that's my switch off. And I know a lot of people think, well, you know, they, they think, oh, you need a hobby or whatever. And yeah, I think people do. Like, it's good to have a hobby, but it's whatever works for you. And like, I'm a really talkative person. I'm like really, um, and I love being involved. I love chatting with people. I love learning about what, they are, what they're about, what they've been up to. And that's, that's really my switch off. And I'm lucky as well that I'm in a team at work where we'll have that chat, like I'll come into the practice and sometimes it's really clinical, you know? Sometimes it's really chatting about important things, cases, what can we do better? And other times we're just literally just taking the mick, having a laugh, seeing what we're getting up to tonight. Like, And I, I can have that chat. And I think a lot of the time it's just, for me, it's just not talking about vetting and not talking about what you're doing and just checking, am I doing this right? Could I do it better? Fine, great. And then m- moving on from it, Um, everyone's different. So I, I think I'd like I'd like to go back to the g- gym and do a bit more of that, definitely. Um, And I need to sort of look into that as I'm getting a bit more settled now, and COVID hopefully, who who knows, like easing off a bit. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's definitely going out and seeing people. And I've got a really good job where we get afternoons off, you know. I work a very very lax rotor for farm betting, so I have a lot of time. So if I want to go and You know, I don't live too far from the coast. I don't live too far from like the Brecon Beacons. I live very close to the Mendit. If I want to go out walking for a day with my dog, like I could do that and that's not a problem and that's switch off for me really. Um, I don't need anything fancy on... Quite happy and myself a bit of scenery and some of the mates.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so nice to hear because, like, again, you hear so many people go out into practice and you hear these horror stories of like sixty-hour weeks and like I don't yeah. stop and I get no sleep. And so it's nice to hear that you still you still have that, particularly as a farm vet, because I feel like that's where you hear the most stories about like being called out to carvings in the middle of the night. And I suppose that is an aspect to it, but it's good to know that it's not taken over for you. That's that's really really nice. So, um, do you think when you you were at vet school and you sort of like dreaming about being a farm vet um or like being a mixed vet um looking at farm vetting now and the role you're in is it what you expected it to be sort of what's your day-to-day like um and is that what you um anticipated when you graduated
1: I think this is um quite a difficult question with regards to my answer it's probably not well completely different to a lot of vets um, as in I would say my job is better than I thought it was gonna be. Um, I enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Um I graduated uni and I was a bit like not sure I want to be in there. I spent a lot of time in small animal practices and equine practice more so where they were very pushed for time, but again from animal practices where they were working, you know, 12 hour days and stuff like that. And I was surrounded by a lot of people that were quite depressed um, and were very unhappy in their job. And that is very, very common for vetting. So I do think talking to me can paint a very rosy picture of what a veterinary is. I am in the minority. I am incredibly lucky with my job and my work satisfaction and the clients we have. And that's not common. So I graduated, really not sure I wanted to be a vet. I decided to give it a go because um, I thought, yeah, like you've done a degree, give it a shot and see. I didn't. I decided I wasn't going to apply for jobs until May. So I um, would have graduated in July, June, July 2019. So I was like, I'm not going to apply for jobs until May 2019, earliest. And then ideally start in September. So I had a good couple of months off over summer to do what I liked. Um, I was actually, lucky; I was offered the job I'm in from my EMS placements. And I, like yeah, it was it was brilliant. Like within three months, I sort of had a sit down, kind of like an appraisal, really. And I said, you know, I didn't want to be a vet, and now I absolutely love it. Um, but that is not common. A lot of people go to vet school, and I don't think students potentially actually realise what the job's about, and they don't see the underlying stress. And I think it's very hard for vets because. You know, as a client, you're coming in. You are stressed already. You're, you know, no one wants to be in a vet, like as a client. You're in, you're calling a vet or the vet's there. Or you're in a vet practice. Something is wrong with an animal or something that you care about. Very few people, okay, maybe boosters and stuff, but very few people actually want to be there. Fundamentally, because they're stressed and worried, so they're already anxious. And there's a vet, you know, there's a massive staffing, staffing shortage. There is a lot of out-of-hours work and over-hours over, over hours that you're not paid for. You know, there's no time and a half on bank holidays or any of that. And then often you're on a 10-minute console for something that might need 20, 25, 30 minutes. And the owners might look at that and think, well, they don't really care or, or whatnot or they haven't followed up. When actually they might be looking at 100 animals at day plus. And so it's, for me, to be happy and, you know, quite relaxed in that is, is not very common um i think you know vetting it's hard because what you do like for clients you know they it come for a service and they don't understand what's going on behind the scenes because they just come to see their vet and at the same time the vet it, you know you're trying to be empathetic for everything you're you know everything you're seeing but you might be in charge of six seven eight cases all at once two three of them could be crashing you know you could be trying to do a a, a booster job there but your mind's on six other cases that you haven't managed to sort yet and then you forget to bring somebody back with some results for something that day and then they're really unhappy with your service and it's really hard because neither side can see the other person's side because you're sort of stuck in this place where you haven't got the time and you haven't got the ability to give the empathy and the understanding and so yeah it's definitely in a crisis um, and I think it's it's hard because we need to somehow coach vets for the future to understand this and be resilient and know what's going on. But at the same time, we some the public, you know, there's more and more animals. And somehow we need to help the public realise what actually goes on behind the scenes because they just see a person there. Well, not even a person, they see a vet and they don't actually realise that behind there, there is a caring person and, you know, your animal does matter a lot to them. And so if they look like they don't matter, that isn't the case. It's probably something else an awful lot worse going on under the scenes, and yeah it's it's tough it's a hard place to be and i think a lot of people go to vet school and they do think they're going to save animals every day and it's going to be great and that realistically isn't the stage of vetting anymore it's, it's not like that it's there's an awful lot more to veterinary than just saving an animals in front of you I, I i'm very aware that the picture i people see in my instagram i try to show people that things die and you can't do everything but I am very happy in my job satisfaction and I have a very nice work-life balance and that is quite uncommon for a lot of vets most vets I'd say I'll probably be in the top one or two percent for work-life balance realistically um, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah no you are completely right Sophia is such a tough profession to be a part of and there are so many different challenges within it um it's nice to hear that you are in a job where you feel very satisfied and you don't feel like you are sort of faced with these same kind of problems and you know hopefully the vet profession and the public can sort of try to make some changes so that you know this is the case for the majority of vets rather than the minority minority of vets um but like you say it's still so important for applying students and current vet students to know about these issues before you know sort of getting themselves into the profession um so it's definitely important to sort of have that realistic insight it comes with employers as well like i think
1: people get wrapped up um you know bitches you get really excited about being a vet and you get wrapped up in getting a job and you'll often accept the first job that might come to you and it's really important that you accept the right job for you because that's what's going to make you a good vet not accepting the first one and you know if you're happy to just take take a first job and then your employer works to the bone and doesn't support you and then you leave and then they get another one in and they're allowed to keep that structure then that structure will stay so we have to be determined enough to say actually no you're not giving me that support no I'm not happy here and not taking the first one or being prepared to leave and that happens at any stage in your career like if your employer isn't prepared to give you that support and the backup and, and and help you the same way that you need to help them in times when you know it's hard but if you don't sort of stand up for yourself and you let yourself get walked over and you put these extra hours in and you know you're, you're really short-staffed and you're worked over and other people aren't pulling their weight and stuff well you need to you know your employer needs to be aware that that isn't on either so it is up to us to help change our situation at the same time
2: yeah definitely that's a really good point and I think something that our listeners can sort of take on board now um even you know not being the profession that if you're not happy with something and that you don't like how something is going, don't feel like you have to put up with it. No matter what it is, you are well within your rights to say that you're not happy and demand a change. If you think that something isn't right. Um, so starting doing that now um, will sort of put you in the right place, going into the profession and going into, you know, the uni courses and that kind of thing. Um, and will sort of put you in that right place to make you feel like you can do that. And you're allowed to do that because, you know, as Sophie says, it is really important that everybody is as happy in the workplace as they can be and that sort of starts with us and not allowing people to get away with things that they shouldn't. Um, Yeah. So Sophie what does a sort of normal day in the life of a farm vet look like for our listeners who potentially have had no sort of farm experience before or have never spoken to a farm vet what can you sort of expect to happen in your daily routine?
1: Could be anything uh, fundamentally it really could be anything so when you are a bit more of a senior vet you will be probably taking on fertility routines uh, and that's looking at getting cows pregnant um reasons that they might not be getting pregnant might not be cycling and then that obviously dates back to management feeding all different all different aspects on the farm and when you're like routine vet it's not just about if she pregnant if she not pregnant it is about taking on that farm you're looking after everything to do with it you know you, you might be scanning. So these are generally like, sorry, first in the morning calls, you know, after for, after morning milking, farmers will separate them cows. So you are starting these routines probably anywhere from between six in the morning um, till maybe 10, 11. Some people do it a bit later, but probably about 10, 11 o'clock. Um, and that'll be for most farm vets once you progress a little bit more. That's what they'll be doing. And yeah, the routine is not just about looking, if a cow pregnant or not, or why she's not cycling. It's about talking to that farmer, Looking at the body condition score, looking at the rumen health, looking at the bedding, the hocks, the lameness, the mastitis, the you know ketosis transition. It, it's you are helping that farmer progress his farm, and that's what it fundamentally comes down to. You are there to help them progress their farm, cut, um, cut costs, and have healthier general, like overall cattle and healthier herd. So that will be your general, some of your first morning calls um round by me i am in a high risk tb area so we're going to six monthly testing so it'd be very common for us to have a tb test monday tuesday you'd inject thursday friday you'd read so it'd be very common for us to have a tb test every day we wouldn't have them on a wednesday but yeah it was very common you'd have tb tests and then i think a lot of people go oh tb test but our farmers are so used to having round here you'll often have extra things to do so we'd have castrations dehorning you know scanning cows looking at lame cows we do an awful lot of that tb test it's generally the only time you'll see all of the farmer's stock you won't be seeing the ill animals you'll be seeing everything and you can have a little chat with them about what's going on um on their farm and you think oh you've got a thin group here where they've been talking about grazing all that sort of stuff depending on year um so yeah it's quite like it's quite good in that way uh, i do not mind tb tests. those those sort of calls you know castrations dehorning, um, pds things like that would be booked in um generally as well we just often they get tied into a tb test if you're there it's like oh we're there there's a couple there to castrate left doing do them while we're here um and then obviously your emergencies as well so it's quite common for a farm vet to have blocks in their day generally as you run a farm practice you would always have depending on the size of your practice you would always have at least one if not two vets free at every point in the day if you're a farm vet because you're probably going to get emergencies and that phone will ring off the hook all morning and you're slotting in calls left right and center um for things that have happened and throughout the day so you always really need to have a free vet and so if you have a block in the morning you think oh i'm quiet today you often aren't you go into a carving. you go into something that's torn it like torn itself you go into a sick animal something like that so it's a lot I think it's a lot more varied sometimes you know when you can do small animals you can often get a day of consulting um, and you know you're going to be consulting all day whereas for me it's like I could look and go I have three calls and I could end the day on seven or eight calls so yeah it's it's really varied you never know what you're going to do every farm is different although you're going to see cows or see sheep every farmer runs their business differently they do things different ways they feed differently they have different breeds of stock they breed differently it's yeah every single one is completely independent they've spent a lot of their time getting their farm where they are and it's a very although well, they're all in agriculture and farming they're all new, unique businesses in my eyes um and then my day I also do the calf health for our um our practice so um depending on a day in that especially at the start of the month I have a lot of calf routines slotted in and around So on those, I'll go and do um, total proteins and growth rates and just discuss um, uh, to give them better calf health, really. I do think um, calf and heifer rearing is something for the future. It's a bigger way you can cut costs and get a healthier herd. You know, you've got to start at the calf to get a healthy cow. Um, So that's a lot of what I do. A lot of farm vets probably wouldn't be doing that, but it's an area that I was keen on, so I developed it. And now I have quite a few farms. I'll visit them either fortnightly or monthly and I will do yeah calf the calf routine with them as well and just check their calves and what's going on and plans for the future and where we're going to change things
0: Oh, amazing. It's so nice to hear because, like, that was one of the main things that attracted me to doing veterinary medicine. Like, the variety, every day being different, you don't know what you're going to walk into. It keeps yeah. it new and interesting. It's not like I'm going to go in and then I have to do my emails and then I have to a desk. And you know what I mean? Like, there's so much that you could find yourself doing, um which really, really lovely. And yeah, again, one of the key things that I think attracts a lot of our listeners um, to wanting to be a vet Um, so in terms of um seeing what a farm vet gets up to day to day you've got an Instagram account haven't you where you document um all the different things that you get up to right
1: I have it's not been as as busy recently as I normally make it but um yes I I do Um, I try to show a very realistic view I probably don't take as many photos of paperwork and stuff um, but I do try to show a realistic view of things happen you don't always know the answer some things die some things live some things you are like wow how has that lived um but yes I run it um yeah it's not something I'm quite used to having yet I still <laughs> a bit odd that I'm that person that people see what I get up to every day but yes I I do have one. <laughs>
0: um so uh, what like um you said you're not like quite used to running it. What like inspired you? Like what was sort of like okay, yeah, I'm going to set up an Instagram account and show everyone what I do? What led what was uh, what was that like moment for you? What led you to decide to do that? Um, I never actually
1: set one up to be Instagram. So it's actually my personal account um that I've had I don't even know. 2016, 2014, whatever, whenever you Instagram started and we set up our social medias. So if you scroll, I should say if you scroll, I, did, I did have deleted some inappropriate ones, but like if you do scroll back through, it is completely my personal account. Um and it kind of started, I don't know if people have heard about it, there's a thing called Farm24 um which is where you document 24 hours in agriculture it's normally done in august like around the 6th or something like that it's like the first thursday in august normally and you basically document anyone in agriculture there's 24 hours documenting what they do on social media um so i did that first in practice and i've done a few sort of like just little pictures of things i'd got up to and stuff like that and loads of my mates were like wow like i've really enjoyed watching it i've really enjoyed seeing this i said we were like like what to me they were like oh like, i didn't realize it was a vet like actually what you did especially as a farm vet you just sort of think oh they're rectal cows which is what everyone always thinks isn't it like i didn't realize what you get up to So i was like oh well do it a, a bit more if you want and like, by that time like you sort of followed other vets and other vets had followed you and you sort of seen what other vets got up to and um we also had like one of our farmers he did a bit of instagram stuff and he was like oh yeah do it people love it and i thought all right so i was, Started doing a few more stories of what I did in the day. I was, I literally never did stories until about August, a year and a half ago. I'd never done a story on Instagram. Um, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, so I was doing it. And then I did my back, so I got sciatica and I was signed off work for three weeks, three, four weeks, something like that. And I to be fair, I was taking a lot of back pain then. and I did a very honest post about TB. From the veterinary perspective, I think people see, it, and there's you know a lot of talking about badger culls at the time, things like that. and I think people see it from one side or the other, and there's a bit of arguments about badger culls and you know farmers. I see the farmer side, and there's, I live on the edge of the city. I see a lot of people that are opposed to badger culls, and there was a lot you know a lot of arguing about that. And I thought I had a really bad TB breakdown, and I did a post about the TB breakdown from a vet's point of view, and you know what it was about and what it what it meant for the vet. And it was shared um, a lot Um, and about 2,000 people overnight started following me and um, that's when I was like this is no longer your personal Instagram now and a lot of people messaged me saying they never thought about it, didn't see it that way and so it kind of grew from there and became more of an educational this is what a farm vet does.
2: That sounds amazing and I know like I follow your Instagram and I love the stories of you know the different cases that you see um, and I think you know as as a vet student that's still like in the pre-clinical years it's really sort of exciting to either see things I think oh we've sort of covered something a bit about that that's like really exciting you can sort of see where things are going to go um, so yeah it's really nice to sort of have that insight into what farm vetting is like when like sort of before you can get to that stage Um, So, yeah, it's I think something that, you know, aspiring students can find really helpful as well. Say if they can't get that sort of work experience with a farm vet is sort of they're having that virtually through your account. So, yeah, that's an amazing sort of platform that, you know, students can really sort of utilise. So to any aspiring students or current vet students now who are thinking that farm vetting is something that they would like to do, Do you have any sort of advice or sort of top tips for them about you know how to go about sort of pursuing that pathway?
1: I'll say definitely do it it's the best but it's all about EMS and to be a decent farm vet I would say it is definitely about EMS. Get yourself out on farms you know farmers are really welcoming people if you have a horrible placement it's probably a really unfortunate situation um generally i you know i have been met and like worked with open arms from farmers when i was younger i got myself out on farms when i was 16 before i could drive i cycled to local farms i'd help them milk help them lamb all that sort of stuff and um, lambing is probably the best thing you can do with regards to um, obstetrics or basically helping animals give birth if you can lamb then you can and you can work out what belongs to what lamb and a, a front leg a back leg a twisted head things like that you can extrapolate it up and lambing is definitely something to do um but you also get yourself out on beef farms get yourself out on dairy farms you know go to all different varieties of farms as well different breeds different feeding regimes Chat to the farmers i learned more about nutrition and feeding a dairy cow from one of our farmers in second year when i was milking um and he took me out we made went um silage making he put me in this tractor and he just discussed anything he's very high yielding herd um you know you're talking some of them cows would give 60 liters when they're sort of hitting peak and stuff and three times a day milking and he knows a lot about nutrition and he taught me more about nutrition i ever learned in vet school Um, and he knows more about nutrition than a lot of vets would know and it's that sort of stuff that will make you a good vet being aware of different brands of um you know like teat liners um teats disinfectants things like that you know it's little tips and tricks that'll help you and things that you can build on and see so a lot of the stuff when I was younger on farm I was looking at it going oh that's cool that's cool and then suddenly when I was a vet I was like hang on wait I remember going there seven years ago they were using that product for this that was working really well and it's this sort of stuff where actually when you graduate to be a farm vet you're on your own you're not like you're supported but you graduate, you're going out on those calls and you've got a, little, a lot of knowledge, but you need to have the practical, you need to have the understanding, you need to know what happened seasonally, you know, what could have gone wrong with the feeding, what like that of course and you need to be able to, you know, not definitely, but help an animal give birth, you know, put your hand in and go, oh, that's forward, that's coming backwards. And all of those skills you learn practically. So there's only so much you can learn from a book. And I don't know many farmers that would not be prepared to help you you know all they care about is that you're determined and you have a bit of grit and a bit of stubbornness they don't mind what you are what you look like any of that if you can rock on a farm have a chat with them and you actually you actually are like interested and you care and you want to be there and you want to learn then that's it you, know, you have quids in and they'll help you as much as they can and they'll teach you a lot and yeah just that's that's what makes you a good farm bet I think is actually having an awareness and understanding and some practical ability and yeah I think do obviously do look into what betting entails it's not it's not an easy job but it's a very very rewarding job it's absolutely fantastic career the what you could do with a veterinary degree and the reward you get from it you know the intrinsic reward as well as extrinsic it's just fabulous it's absolutely brilliant but you have to make sure you're aware of what's going on aware that it's going to be hard and get yourself in the right job definitely
2: Thank you so much for your time, Sophie. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. I'm definitely feeling more inspired to go into farming um, and definitely feeling more intrigued about that sort of aspect of um, the veterinary career. So I'm sure that many of our listeners are thinking the same. Um, And you've definitely made it sound really exciting. Um, And I think it's an area that a lot of people perhaps don't consider because they think of you know the doom and gloom of the rain or that kind of thing um but it sounds really interesting and it's amazing that you have enjoyed it so much um especially considering you wasn't sure if you know you wanted to carry on with veterinary after your degree so it's it's great that you know that's really taken off for you so thank you so much for your time today sophie it's been absolutely amazing talking to you and thank you everybody for listening um i hope you've really enjoyed this episode Give us a follow over on Instagram at So You Want To Be a Vet and have a look at our YouTube channel under the same name. Share this episode with any of your friends that you think might also enjoy it. Um, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And tune in for our next episode.
0: So we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found it helpful, then please share it with others that you think will find it useful too. Again, make sure to subscribe to both our podcast and YouTube channel with the same name, So You Want To Be A Vet, to be notified of when our next episode is released. Also, don't forget to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram at So You Want To Be A Vet for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes and updates on all things So You Want To Be A Vet and Vet Mentor. Remember to follow at VetMentor2 to learn more about the opportunities such as our interview skills workshops and our amazing summer school that will help you further your application to vet school. If you have any questions or thoughts, then please comment them below the Instagram post for this episode. And if you want to hear us discuss something, then please let us know. You can find our email address in the description. Thanks for listening.
2: Take care.